If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, my name is Cody Wason, and uh, I have the honor of serving around here as the lead pastor. And um, ex- uh, to say I'm excited or expectant for tonight is an understatement. Uh, but before we jump in, I just want to say welcome. If you're a guest in the house tonight, if, if uh, you're checking us out, if you're new to Antioch, just want to say welcome. I don't take it for granted that you would come uh, spend your Sunday evening with us. And you know, my prayer is that this, this house would be a safe space for you to explore what it looks like uh, to, to love and live like Jesus, to see yourself transformed, to see the city of Salt Lake transformed, to see the cities of the world transformed. That's what we're going after. So just want to say thank you for being here. Now, if you have been with us for a while, uh, you know that we are in the middle of a series called Brick by Brick. And um, it's been a fun series so far. Uh, it's actually really fun because it's the first series that I ever gave a mission statement for the series. Uh, I think we have it up there on the screen. Here's what we're going after in this series and tonight included. We are focusing on the values and the disciplines that we can build into our lives brick by brick that lead to personal community and city revival. So if you're sitting here and you don't know what we're going for, that's what we're going for. That's the goal of tonight to talk about revival, to honor Jesus, to fall more in love with Him, and to equip ourselves with things that we can be doing in our everyday life to strengthen our relationship with Jesus, to see revival released. And it's good. Amen? Well, hey, before I jump in, I want to just take a moment and let you in on um, just what I'm feeling uh, for us as a church, what we're stepping into um, yeah, I, I sent this out to our staff and our leaders, but just want to bring you guys in with, I feel like we're entering a new season as a church. Uh, I feel like we're entering a new season of hunger and, and the revival that we have been believing for since day one that God, we felt like God promised when we planted Antioch Salt Lake City that we'd be a part of a historic revival. Uh, pardon the analogy, but I feel like we're in the birth pains of revival. It's starting, it's here, and there's just a hunger being released in our people. And I don't say this to kind of, kind of whoop us into an emotional frenzy or try to get a response out of you. I say this to encourage you, wherever you are, uh, if you're a part of the Antioch family, I believe that we are entering into a new season. Wherever you are, I believe you're entering into a new season with Jesus. The breakthrough we're longing for, the hunger we're, we're, we're longing for, uh, we're, we're experiencing it. I mean, you just heard about kids having visions in kids' ministry and other kids interpreting them. It's a new season. I mean, last week, I got up and I, I shared a financial presentation. And then at the end, like, people are on their face, like meeting with God. Now, I know I'm growing in my communication, but I'm not growing that much. <laughs> it's God. He's doing something. He's moving in our midst. And I've never felt this before, but like in my bones, I feel like I could just open the, the, the Bible up and just point at a scripture and, and, and say it, say a few words about it, and then just invite us to respond, and we would meet with God. That's revival. We're being revived in our inner man, in our inner being, in our soul. We're being revived by the person and the presence of Jesus. And I just want to say there's more for us. And I hope you guys are ready for the ride. Okay. Well, tonight uh, I am starting a little, within this Brick by Brick series, I'm starting a little mini two-week series talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's, a, that's about what I expected. A couple people in the room are like, this is what I live for. 
and everyone else maybe is a, a little fidgety in their seat. Now, there's a lot of ways that, that I could go about these two weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. And even as I say that and I look out over the crowd, I know that there are so many thoughts. There are so much. There, there's, there's, uh, there's pain from past experience with people that have done things poorly in the name of the Holy Spirit. There's a lack of understanding biblically. What is the Holy Spirit? Why should it matter to me? What is, what's the purpose? What's the point? You know, depending on how you grew up, if you grew up in the church world, you've got a lot of preconceived ideas or notions or beliefs around the Holy Spirit, what, what is available for us today, what's not available, what's okay, what's not, what's off limits, what's healthy, what's not. And if we're honest, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we move like this following Jesus like, uh, that we talk about, it moves into like a little bit of a messy place. You start talking about the Spirit. It's a little mysterious. It's not as clean cut, not as black and white. There's, we start talking about living a life uh, uh, in the Spirit or powered by the Spirit or, or, or led by the Spirit. Suddenly, it just it gets a little messy. We kind of lose control. And it's, and it's a place for us of, 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 of uh, insecurity, fear, and for about six people that I heard, a lot of excitement. Well, here's my goal tonight. It's twofold. I want to raise our biblical understanding of the outworking of the Holy Spirit and so we can all be on the same page what, what we believe here at Antioch. I mean, we just sang songs about uh, the Spirit coming down, welcoming the Spirit. We talk about the Spirit. We're praying the Spirit. If you have any questions of where we land, that's kind of on you um, because I think if you're paying attention, you know where we land. But, uh, but my goal tonight is that we would uh, have a biblical understanding for why we believe what we believe and what that means for us in our walk as believers, both individually and corporately. And then the uh, second thing I want to do tonight is I want to kind of tackle some of those bedrock questions that, that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what's the purpose? How would that impact my life? Why should it matter? I'm going to try to, to just try to dive in on some of those, those big questions and raise our understanding and maybe challenge us a little bit, if that's okay with you. Challenge us a little bit on the places where we've been resistant to the Holy Spirit and talk about why and what that looks like. And we're just going to see what God does tonight. You with me? Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I, I get up here and I'm like, let's talk money. And everyone's like, yes, I can get behind this. And it's like, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. And there's a little uneasiness in the room. That's okay. We're going to trust God. We're going we're gonna to go to Scripture. Because at the end of the day, uh, our theology has to line up with Scripture, not our experience. So if you've had a bad experience uh, with someone in the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, but that doesn't affect my theology. People can do a lot of weird things in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the church. That does not affect my theology. My theology is rooted in Scripture, not my experience. And we, don't, we, we can't flip it. So as we dive into a topic, really when we talk about anything that affects our faith and our life and our walk with Jesus, that's a bedrock principle. Theology, what we think about God, what we understand about who He is and His character is based on Scripture and not what you have or have not experienced or felt. Okay? That's where we're going tonight. Now, first I want to read a passage of Scripture that is at the heart of of the theological debate in Christendom about well, whether or not the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available for us today in 2020. Some of you didn't even know there was a debate. 
I bless you and I love you, but it's 2020. There's a debate about anything and everything. But this debate has been raging for a long time within the church. And I just want to say on the front end, wherever you land on this as we go through it, you're welcome here. I honor you. You're not my enemy. I, I, I just, I'm not really on social media, but when I get on it, I just, my heart kind of breaks because there are so many people that seem to have made it their life call to kind of tell Christians how they're doing it wrong. And I want, I, I love the church. I don't want to be one who tears us down at every turn. So if you disagree with me on this, we're not enemies. I, I, I would probably strongly disagree, but that's okay. You're welcome in here. I'd love conversation if you want to sit down and talk about it. But we just, it's sad, that in, but, but it's the reality of our day and age. I have to say on the front end, if you disagree with me, uh, uh, let's learn how to disagree and point each other to Jesus. Let's learn how to disagree and still be a part of the church. Let's learn how to disagree and not blame God and the church for us disagreeing. Let's just move forward, love each other, bless each other, believe for one another, pray for one another, and someday we'll be face-to-face with Jesus. We'll find out who's right. Okay. All right, here we go. So here's the passage I want us to look at, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12. Starts with, love never fails. I mean, I could preach just a whole series. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. So here's where the divide is, where people land theologically about the outworking, the gifts, the power of the Holy Spirit, and if it is alive and active and available to believers today. Here's where one camp would land. They would say that the outworking of the Holy Spirit, the power gifts, the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit, you read the book of Acts, As the early church was being established, the signs and wonders, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people experiencing these and all these things, most for the first time, that was needed to validate the message of Scripture, but it was only needed up and until the Bible was canonized and the last apostles died. So their belief is that the Holy Spirit was absolutely needed to validate the message, but now we've got the Bible. We've got the inerrant Word of God. We don't need the Holy Spirit. Again, if you're in the room tonight, you're not, and that's where you land, we're not enemies. But I would disagree, not based on my experience, but I would disagree on what I feel like Scripture says. So just so we know, just to, uh, this, 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 um, this line of thinking is known as cessationism, and it's basically saying that the outworking and the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased when the Bible was canonized, when it was put together and finalized, and when the last apostles that walked with Jesus passed away, the Holy Spirit ceased to move in people and on people. Now, here's what I want to point us to. Again, I don't disagree because I've had an experience that would tell me uh, I disagree. I disagree because I just feel like that's not what Scripture is saying. Let's go back to what it says here. 
It says that when completeness comes, let's look at verse 12. If you want to throw it back up, I don't, I don't know if it ever left. But verse 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Here's my litmus test on this topic. I love Jesus. I am in love with Him. I am walking with Him. I'm pursuing Him. I am learning Him. I have not seen Him face to face. My faith is a faith. I believe the Word of God, but completeness hasn't come. See, what Paul's referring to, I believe, is that we don't need the gifts of the Spirit. We don't need words of knowledge and prophecies and the outworking of the Holy Spirit when we're face-to-face with Jesus. But until then, I think we do, and I actually think it's absolutely essential for our walk with God to fall more in love with Jesus. I'm going to flesh that out. But here, I just want to, to say... We around here at Antioch believe fully that the Holy Spirit's alive and active. That we can believe uh, and pray and press in to, 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 to encounter God in a fresh way, to have the Spirit move in us and through us and on us. And I'm going to kind of walk us through what I just said uh, biblically here in a moment. But we would not land in the camp that says that it has ceased. Now, I believe that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, will cease when completeness comes. I believe Paul is drawing the Corinthians church's heart to when they get to meet Jesus face to face. When I'm standing in heaven, I don't need a prophetic word. Oh man, there's so many sermons wrapped up in this. But that's where we land theologically. That we Believe the Spirit, and and I'm going to go as far as to say we absolutely need the Holy Spirit in our life and on us, and I want to talk about why here. So now, for the the intellectual people in the room, I know that that was just scratching the surface. We could, like, do seminars and break down all sorts of passages and, and all this stuff, and so what I just did was just scratching the surface but hopefully giving a theological, a biblical understanding of why we here at Antioch believe in the Holy Spirit's alive and active today. So I know that I could get an email and be like, well, you didn't talk about these 37 passages. I know. We can sit down and coffee, over coffee, and I'll let you walk through that for me. Okay. So we believe the Holy Spirit is for us today, but here's the, here's the fundamental question for us as believers. What's the point? What does it matter for some of you, you've grown up in church, and you're like, I, I, I think I'm doing okay. We actually didn't touch the Holy Spirit. Like, we didn't, like, talk about it. We didn't pursue it. It was, like, the weird, like, there was, like, Christians, and then the weird Christians. And praise God, me and my family were Christians. Or we were raised in a way of saying, you know what, uh, a lot of people I talk with, like, well, we didn't, like, actually theologically say no, but we just kind of were like, that's weird, and it makes me uncomfortable, and I don't want to be uncomfortable, so I'm not going to go around it. I've said this before, and I'll say it again probably tonight before the night's over. I'm okay with weird, and I'm okay with messy if it's biblical. 
There's weird things in Scripture, guys. I mean, the weirdest gift that people think of when they think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Even as I say that, people are like, I'm getting ready to leave right now. It's, can I just say, I love Jesus with my whole heart. It's weird. I don't fully understand it. But it's in Scripture. So I have to come to a place where I have to decide. Am I going to let me being weirded out cause me to miss out on something that's in Scripture that might lead me to more of Jesus? Or am I going to be like, you know what? Maybe I will be one of those weird Christians if it means I'm scripturally sound and I'm falling more in love with Jesus. I just think for a lot of us, there's a lack of understanding. You know, when we launched the church five years ago, I was the college pastor, and um, I had a great time. None of the college students here know me or know that. Oh, they know me, but I but, uh, feel like I have an inheritance in this section a little bit. Um, but man, I remember walking with college students for those, those early years, and, and uh, one, one moment sticks out really, really big. You know, when you're a college student, for most of you, your families really care about where you go to church. They, might, they just want to make sure you're being taken care of. They want to make sure that it's a safe space. They want to make sure you didn't go off and join something really weird that's going to take you down a really dark path. And I totally am for that. I remember meeting with a, with a college student who was just loved being a part of this community. Loved, God was just moving in their life, and, and they were just tr- being transformed, you know, just in front of our eyes as they gave themselves to Jesus and the disciplines of following him. But their family had some serious questions about Antioch. And, uh, and, and they weren't really big fans of us. And as I sat down to kind of t- dialogue and figure out why, I sit down and, and, and this student has, over coffee is basically saying, hey, I can't come anymore. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to honor my parents. But really, they just, they're pointing out some really good points. And, and, you know, now I'm starting to question whether this is real or not or what's going on. And I go, oh, okay, hang on. Can you just let me in on, on something? What, what's one of your parents' biggest concerns? And they said, the Holy Spirit and the gift that, that of tongues. I go, hey, well, hey, I get it. <laughs> it's weird. And I said, okay, here's, here's, here's all I'm going to say. And I opened up Scripture, and I said, here's a couple passages that talk about it and illustrate it. Here's kind of why we believe what we believe. Take this, and I just would, like, whatever you feel like you need to do, I want to honor you and your parents. I'm not, like, trying to get you to stay, but I want you to know that this is why we believe what we believe. And they sat across from coffee, and they looked absolutely stunned. And I said, what's going on? And they said, it's in the Bible? And I was like, well, yeah. What do you mean? You thought we made it up? We thought, like, well, here's how people will like us as a church. <laughs> we'll, we'll invent this thing called tongues, and that'll really get people in the door. I was like, no, it's biblical. It's right here. And, and, and the light bulb was just like, I had no idea. My parents were so freaked out. I didn't know it was in Scripture. They never told me. And I was like, well, hey, you do what you got to do. But I just like, yeah, it's in Scripture. I think there's just a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. What's in there? What's not? What's, what, what, so, so let's talk about it. The question I want to tackle right now is, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives? Now, I want to also just say there's a lot of things out there about how to refer to the Holy Spirit. There are people in this room that would say he should be referred to as he because Jesus at different times refers to the Holy Spirit as he, part of the doctrine of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, referred to him as a he. Okay. Jesus also refers to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit. 
So if you're in the room and you're like, he needs, he, he should be referred to as he, I'm with you, I get it. But Jesus also referred to him as the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to refer to him as the Holy Spirit um, because, hey, it's biblical and Jesus did it. So, and I think it helps us as we wade into this pool of understanding uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. Go turn with me to John 14, verse 26. We're going to look at two passages that I feel like illustrate the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Later, a couple chapters later, same conversation, John 16, 12 through 14. Here's Jesus saying, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he has made known to you. Okay. Here's what you're taking notes. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to make you weird. It's not so you can have a cool experience. It's so that Jesus would be glorified. The job of the Holy Spirit, he's constantly pointing us back to Jesus. It says the advocate, the Holy Spirit, he's referred to as the counselor, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. The role of the Holy Spirit in your life is a lot like what I feel like my role right now is to Eleanor, my four-year-old daughter, who I tell, hey, Eleanor, can you go get your shoes on? It's time to leave. And I look down, and I grab my keys, and I look up. Maybe three seconds have transpired. And as she's walking down the hallway to go get her shoes, she stops, and she sits down, and she starts looking at the carpet. Because in that moment, Part of the carpet kind of sort of looked like a butterfly, and in that moment, nothing else was in her head. Now, we're working as parents with quick obedience and, and all that sort of stuff, but I'm like, Eleanor, what did I just tell you to do? And she'll go, but Dad, there's a butterfly. Like, right, okay. The Scripture says we're like children. You and I are like kids, which means... Which means you're going to walk out this door and you're, forget, you're going to forget most of what I said tonight. How's that for a job well done? We're going to have, you, you, can, you can have the most incredible encounter with God. Church could be the most incredible church service you've ever been to. You get on your face, you surrender, you find your new favorite worship song, you're playing it nonstop, you're listening to podcasts, you're like, oh my gosh, I, God is so real and I'm all in. And then tomorrow at 2 o'clock, you'll be like, I think God hates me. He's left. He's forgotten me. There's nothing I can do but just wallow. Why has he forsaken me? We're like kids. You have this moment, this encounter with God, and you're like, it marks you. And then, and then, and then tomorrow, you need to be reminded of it. Because you're going to wake up in the morning, and you're going to be like, I've got school and class and work and four kids and I'm stressed and this is happening. I got bills to pay. And suddenly, that really sweet moment you had with God last night is like, oh, did that really happen? Because right now I'm really stressed. The job of the Holy Spirit in your life 
is to remind you what Jesus has spoken to you, remind you who Jesus is, and in so doing, remind you who you are. So many people struggle with, how do I, like, how do I live this Christian life out? Because we're trying to do it without the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do it without the advocate and the helper that Jesus promised. We're like, you know what? I can do this my, on my own. I can remember everything. I can do enough. If you were here last week, we think we can do enough. And it's just totally illogical, and actually, it's not scriptural when you look at it. To try and live this thing out, to try to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, outside of the power of the Holy Spirit in you and on you, it just doesn't make sense, and I, don't, I would say it's not even scripture. We were, we've been promised the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it's like Jesus looking at you and saying, I promise you, you're going to need this. I promise you. And then we go through our life and we're like, oh, that might make me weird. I'm going to try to do it without it. And then we're like, wonder why it's so hard and why it just doesn't work. You guys still with me? Okay. We're going. We're going for it tonight. Turn to John 12. This was earlier in that conversation with his disciples. Jesus says this. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. See, we read that, and, we're, and, and it's like, yeah, okay, great. Maybe you've skipped over it, skimmed it before. Do you realize what Jesus just said? How many of us have had the thought, man, this whole following Jesus thing, all, my, all the questions in my life, all the decisions, I, if Jesus was just here, how much easier would this be? If I could just go sit down at Starbucks and just have a face-to-face -face with Jesus, he, it would solve everything. My life in God would just completely change. All my questions would go away. My faith would just be on another level. If I could just sit, you know, a foot away from him and just talk to him. And what Jesus just said is, actually, it's better I'm not here. It's better I'm not here because then you get the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but like that sometimes, it like fully, like doesn't make the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. It's on, uh, Jesus was Starbucks and just the line out the door would be too long. We'd never actually all get to him. And I get it. But, but Jesus is like, I'm promising you the Holy Spirit. And it's actually better than if I stayed and I, I walked around with you. He's looking at 12 guys and saying, we've been walking around together for three years. It's been great. But it would actually be worse for you if I kept doing that. It's better that you have the Holy Spirit. I, for one, I don't want to reject like what, what's been promised to me and what Jesus has promised to be better than if he was actually walking the earth in the flesh. I don't want to reject that because I don't understand. I don't take the time to dig in and understand or I don't pursue. I don't want to reject that because someone, when I was 12, uh, I was in a worship service and they started shaking and they fell down and I said, I'm never going there. I'm never going there. I'm never walking around the Holy Spirit because that's weird, and I don't think that's right, and I don't want it, and I don't need it, and I'm going to do my best without it. I don't want to try to do my best without what Jesus promised was his best, right? So that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to be your counselor, to be your advocate, 
to point you back to Jesus, to remind you what Jesus told you to do yesterday, to remind you what Scripture said yesterday, to remind you what he's saying now, to tell you, hey, this is who Jesus is. Don't forget it. Oh, and by the way, that's who you are because that's who Jesus is, and, 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 that, and that's it. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, I want to keep moving forward here. A couple things about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, I don't think we have it up there on the screen. Paul tells the church at Ephesus that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit when we give our life to Jesus. That the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, like, indwells. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like, we're sealed. Like, it wasn't just uh, something that we think might have happened or we're hoping we did our best to make, make happen. He says, actually, you were sealed by the Spirit of God when you gave your life to Jesus. It's there. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He refers later, uh, I believe, to the church in Corinth that he says that that experience, that when we give our lives to Jesus and the Spirit of the living God comes to live inside of us, this indwelling, he, call, he refers to it as a baptism. He says you've been baptized into the people of God. So there's this, for Paul, there's like that you're indwelled, and the moment you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you and on you, and it, it, it's a baptism of the Spirit. So many people ask, well, you know, if I've given my life to Jesus, and I've been sealed, and, and Paul refers to that as a, ba- a sort of a baptism, then w- do I still need anything else? I've got it. I, I, I gave my life to Jesus 10 years ago. I'm fine. I don't need to pursue the Holy Spirit, I don't need anything else. I don't need to, like, sing about Him or pray or ask Him and invite Him. Like, I, I've got Him. I'm good. Here's what I want to look at. Every water baptism account of Jesus, every, every account of Jesus being baptized in the Gospels foretells of the coming baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what I want to talk about for just a moment, because this is when, this is where people, like, you've been tracking with me up until now. You're like, yep, I got it. Spirit living, I, I think I get it. Oh, gosh, indwelling. I'm going to have to go look that up. His purpose is to point me back to him. His purpose, it was a promise of Jesus. It's in Scripture. It's there. It's biblical. It's for my good. It's so that I will be reminded and counseled and helped in this journey of following Jesus. Okay, I'm with you. But the moment we kind of start talking... The ba- there's, a, there's a thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everyone's like, I'm out. But I want to point us to Scripture. Because every time Jesus, uh, in, the, in the accounts of the Gospels, when John the Baptist is baptizing people and Jesus shows up and he gets baptized, John says, there's, like, I, I'm, I'm baptizing you guys with water but there's one coming whose sandals I'm not even fit to carry. And when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire throughout Scripture represents the presence and the power of God. So there's this promise, even from John the Baptist, of like, guys, the Messiah is coming, and you're not even ready for what's about to happen. Then let's look at Acts 1, 4 through 5. This is uh, on one, uh, starting in verse 4. Uh, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, so this is the, this is the story. Oh, let me back up for a second so we can understand what we're reading. This is Luke writing down what's happened 
after Jesus has died on the cross, been buried for three days, he's been resurrected, conquered uh, uh, sin and death, and now he has a, a moment of time that he's spending with his disciples in his resurrected body. It's crazy. It's amazing. Read it. It's uh, incredible. And this is Luke telling the story of, yeah, and, and Jesus was with us, and this is what was happening. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A few verses later, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this promise of, of being baptized, by, here's Jesus saying, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where things, like, where for us, it gets weird because it actually happens. Like, a little bit later, the, the, the believers are gathered, and the Holy Spirit falls in this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the, it says that it looked like tongues of fire, just like they had promised, was resting on people. People started talking all these different languages. People thought they were drunk. I mean, it was weird. Right? I mean, that never, like, had that happened before? That the Holy Spirit comes, like, came, like, there's an indwelling, but this promise that we can have, yeah, we have the Spirit of God living in us, but we're promised that the Holy Spirit can come on us. And, like, if you think about a baptism, like, when you get baptized in water, you're, like, fully submerged, covered, drenched. Like, you are, you are wet, if you've been baptized and you didn't get wet, I would love to talk to you because I, I don't know how that works. So this idea that we're like being promised to be covered, to be drenched, to be like totally just in the Holy Spirit, it's a promise. Now this is where things like, and I've said this uh, so many times tonight, but it's, it's part of my testimony. This is where things have gotten really weird for people. I heard it said once that when, you know, you know you, you've maybe seen it in, in, real pers- uh, in, in real life, or maybe you've seen YouTube videos, or, or you don't do that anymore. It's probably on memes and, and whatever, other stuff. I still use YouTube. Um, you've seen, like, the characterized, like, someone being touched by the Holy Spirit, and they're, like, doing something weird. They're falling over, they're shaking, they're laughing, and you're like, okay, I'm out. That's weird. That, that's, uh... I heard it said once that when the perfect presence of God comes on imperfect people, sometimes weird things happen. Okay, I, that's not scripture, but it was poetically said. <laughs> but here's my story with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was 16, 17 years old, been following God for a long, no, a long time. I mean, I was, I was pretty young. I've been following God for a while, pursuing Jesus. At the time, I played bass. I thought I was going to be the next great worship leader in, in our generation. And then to see Matt Morley stand up here and play bass and lead worship, I just knew that it was his calling, not mine. <laughs> but I had this incredible opportunity. I, was, I had the most incredible friends around me. I dropped out of high school uh, my junior year because I wanted to pursue God more. I, I, don't, I know. My parents let me do it. Um, and I, I got a college degree out of it. So it worked. 
But I dropped out of college. I was like, I just, I mean, I dropped out of high school. I was like, I just, like, I don't want to be around my old friends. Like, I want to be all in for Jesus. I'm all in. So I started, uh, and I got this new group of friends, and we were just running hard after Jesus. We were musicians. We were worshiping. And, and uh, next thing I know, I'm being invited to come on this trip where we all pile into an RV. One of my friend's parents led a ministry that they literally just traveled the country, and they would go to different churches and just hold, like, basically, like, revival nights. And they would just come, and they'd preach the power of God, and they'd preach Holy Spirit and all this stuff, and then we would play worship, and then it would be great. That was the vision I was given. Like, hey, we're going to play a lot of Call of Duty in the RV. We're going to get to travel around. There'll be lots of Mountain Dew everywhere. And we get to worship. We get to go, like, all over the East Coast, and, like, I'm, like, this Midwest kid that's never been anywhere, and I'm in. So here we go, and it's the first night. We actually, for some reason, uh, uh, we left Chicago, and our first stop was in Florida. Don't, I think they needed admin help, because I think we could have did a little, little more there. Um, but we start in Florida, and we show up at this church. I have no idea. Like, I'm not really being prepped too much other than play the bass, and then we're going to, like, have lots of fun. I'm like, okay, I can do it. So we get up, we're like, do our sound check. We're like, this is awesome. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm like, traveling worship band. Like, what? If you knew how bad I was at the bass, it is pathetic. <laughs> it is so bad. And so, like, there's a reason why you will never see me up here. I've told Nolan so many times, if you need a bass player, I'm your guy. He, there's a reason I haven't played bass yet. I'm not the guy. But here we go. So we, we're sitting here after sound check. It's an empty room. No one's coming yet. And, and I'm sitting on the front row, and they're like, hey, but, hey band, just FYI, um, after I preach the, uh, the sermon, uh, I'm going to have ministry time, and you guys are the ministry team. And 17-year-old Cody was like, I'm out. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to do it. Like, I can play really poor bass, but I can't. What do you minister to people? I did not sign up for this. I mean, my heart was racing and pounding. But here's the deal. All my friend group that I'd been running with and all these guys, I was the youngest by a couple of years. And, and these, these 18, 19, 17-year-old kids, they were walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We would have worship nights at our house uh, back in Chicago, and people would just be prophesying in visions, and I feel like God's saying this, and, I, and I'd just be sitting there like, I'm a musician. This is kind of weird. I don't, I don't, this isn't me. I'm not this. But after being around it for a while and seeing the fruit of, on their life and seeing how much they love Jesus, I was like, you know what? I want it too. So for about a year before this worship moment in Florida happens, I've been like desperate, like, God, Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Guys, uh, lay hands on me. Do whatever you have to do. Like, I want it. Nothing. Time and time and time again as the months went by. Remember, I'm 17. So I am like full-blown insecure about my entire being. And I'm like, uh, I, 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 you know, all of my friends, and this is where maybe we lose being relatability. I was insecure that I didn't have like the gift of tongues. I was insecure that I didn't know if I was, like, gifted in the prophetic. I was insecure that, like, I can't, like, if someone, like, a vision or, like, prays for somebody and like, I got a picture for you, like, I was insecure because I didn't have that and all my friends did. And so for about three to six months, I desperately prayed for it, didn't get it. And for six months leading up to that uh, worship night, I was faking it. I was so desperate to be in the club. I so wanted to be like everyone else that I just watched what they did and I did it. If they were uh, laying on the ground, I was laying on the ground. If they were laughing, I was laughing. 
for six months, I had basically lived a lie, like pretending like to be gifted in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm sitting there on the ministry team recently formed that I was a part of. And I'm like, freak, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to find out I'm a fraud and I can't do it. And I went to the back and I went to the bathroom and I'm crying. I'm like, uh, everything, all my excitement for leading worship went away. I'm like, I'm crying in the bathroom like, I can't do this. I'm a fraud. They're going to find out. Do I even love Jesus? I don't know. I just like, I, and I'm a mess. And a, a mentor walked in about 30 years old and he, he had sent something and he went and found me, and he's just like, what's going on? And I told him, I confessed. I'm like, I've been, I've been faking it for six months. I don't, I, don't think I, I don't think I have the Holy Spirit, and I don't think I ever will, and I don't think I belong here, and I can't do it. And he basically ministered to me right there in the bathroom. was like, well, why do you, you know, let's talk about this. Eh. And I had to surrender. I had to admit, I, I, the reason I want the Holy Spirit is because I want to be like everyone else. I want to feel what they're feeling. I want to be in the little club. I want, to, I want to be able to say that I've got it too, and we can like all be in this together. And right then, he was like, well, that's, that's why you don't. That's, that's why. And he pointed me back to this scripture. He said, scripture says in, ver, uh, in, in verse 8 of Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the reason that you're not like, actually getting any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you want is because you want it to be included in a group, but God promised it that you'd be his witness and you'd make others great in the kingdom. He, he promised it that you'd be on mission and you haven't been on mission. And I just stood there stunned. I was like, you're right. I, don't, I haven't wanted the Holy Spirit for, for any sort of right reason. I wanted it to be cool. How many of us have been sidelined from the power of God because we're afraid to either be weird or because we're just not wanting to be on mission? And we're like, I'm asking, and I don't know. The scripture says if, if I ask, he's going he's gonna to receive. The door will be open. He'll give it to me. But I'm, I'm not. And, and the reality is we're over here like, I want the Holy Spirit so that I can have a cool experience. Or I want more power on my life to live my life the way I want to live it. And God's just like, I, I, I told you. It's in the book. The purpose of, of the Holy Spirit is to point you back to me and to, and to be the power on your life that you might be, the, you be able to, the power in your life that you might be able to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. That is to, to be a witness in, in the world. And I just think how many of us have been sidelined because we've been too afraid for it to get a little messy or because we just aren't on mission. Like, and we just need to be recalibrated. I'll tell you that night, I'll end with this. That night, I, 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 I you know, met with Jesus and I was just like, you know what? I repent for all the ways that I've been pursuing you in an unholy way. I've been wanting you to give me things so that I could feel good or be, be seen as someone that has a maturity in the spirit or I have all these things and I'm sorry and, and, I, and I had a moment where I was like, if I never get the, the, the gifts or the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, I'm going to still follow you. I'm going to still love you. And I'm going to stop asking for all the wrong reasons. I made a commitment that night in the bathroom that I was like, I'm done. I'm sorry. I've asked you for the last time in the wrong way. And I said, you've got to do something in my heart. 
to turn my heart around, to get me to a place where I want the Holy Spirit to put me on mission so that other people can encounter Jesus and he can be glorified through my life. And I was like, I'm in for it, whatever that looks like. That night after, after uh, the service, I, I went up as ministry time, and I was a broken 17-year-old kid. I didn't know. I was like, I'm going to, I told all the other leaders, like, I'm going to pray for people, but guys, I, I'm like, you guys got to take the lead. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. And I'll never forget. I'm standing there. We actually did it in team. So there's like three people kind of standing saying, hey, if anyone wants uh, 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 to be ministered to, just come on up. And I'm standing there, and this like 25-year-old uh, uh, woman walks up to our group. And I was like, great, this is, this is really great for me. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, you guys take the lead. I kind of literally stepped back and was like, I'm going to pray. I'll put my hand on her, but I'm like, I'll be the Bible guy. <laughs> I'll pray scripture over her, but you guys just do what you do. And I'm like, you know, and I will never forget that the, the, we were all praying, and then suddenly it just got quiet, and the mentor that had ministered with me and kind of brought me to a place of surrender taps on my shoulder. I mean, and this is while we're praying, right? So he taps on my shoulder, I look up, and he just looks at me and says, you got something. And I was like, no, I, no. <laughs> Appreciate you asking. <laughs> no. I got John 3.16. I can do that really, really good. And he looked at me, he goes, no, you got something. You got something. And I'll never forget looking at his face. He goes, you're on mission now. You got something. And I was like, no, this isn't. I'm like, I'm so sorry for what's about to happen. <laughs> I've known the first time. <laughs> and I'm freaked out. And I'm like, God, there's, I don't, I've never done this before. I'm like, okay, God, I've, uh, you give dreams and you give visions. And I'm just in my head, like, if you've got a vision for this woman, I, I don't even know if that's theologically correct. Okay. And all of a sudden, I see a picture in my head for the first time. Of, and it's of this woman. And she's in a red Corvette. She's driving down. And she's She's got all these Christmas presents in the back seat. She's driving by, by down some road, and as she's driving, she's pulling the presents out of the back seat and throwing them out the car. And I'm like, this is the Holy Spirit? <laughs> this is what you guys have been talking about? And I just keep, like, praying. I'm like, Lord, is that it? Because I have no idea what that means. And, as of the, and I see this vision, and Jesus is driving a Corvette behind her. I'm like, this is definitely not in Scripture. This is the most heretical thing I've ever been a part of. And I'm like, Jesus is driving in a Corvette behind her, and as she, all these presents are falling on the road, he's getting out of his car, he's picking up the presents, putting them in the back seat, and finally I see this picture of he drives up next to her at, the, at a stoplight, and, and, he, and he gets out of the car, and he starts grabbing all the presents, and he puts put them back in her car, and she's looking all confused, and he just says, you think you're not worthy, but you are. Right? And so I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, this is, uh, and you're not worthy, but you are. 25-year-old yeah. single woman, this is all awesome. And I opened my eyes, and that, that girl was meeting with God. She was weeping. And I literally stepped back, and I was like, I, I, that's, that, this is it. This is what the Holy Spirit's about. You people were in that room looking at her going, oh, that's weird. She's crying. That's weird. I don't like that. And what they didn't know is she's being ministered to on a level that none of us could really comprehend. God was speaking to her heart in a way, and, and somehow he had used me, this little 17-year-old punk that didn't know anything, but it was because I was on mission. It's because my heart was, how do I bless someone else? I, and, and that just sent me on this trajectory of, I want the Holy Spirit. 
because I want other people to know Jesus. I want him to be glorified in my life, through my life. If you love Jesus in this room and you want more of him, you should want the Holy Spirit. All right, if the band wants to come back up, I've talked way too long, but I think it was good. Let's just, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to stand up with me. I just want to say that last part again. If you're in the room and you want more of Jesus and you love Jesus and you just want to know him more, you want him to be glorified more in your life, through your life, you should want the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do tonight, we're going to worship. We're going to have a, a time of ministry. Praise God. Here's what I want to invite. I just want to keep this, this, this place right up in front. Just, this is our altar. This is our, we'll just call this holy ground. I want to leave this open tonight. Some of the words that our prophetic team, our prayer team has been praying about tonight has been about this idea of needing to repent. Just needing to get before God and be like, I'm sorry. Like I had to get before God in that bathroom and be like, I'm so sorry that I've been wanting you so that I could be a part of a friend group. And I've been wanting to experience you so that I could have a story I could tell people. I just need to get that out. Or maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's like, I'm the guy that's like, that's weird. And I don't like that. I don't want that. But at the end of the day, if it's more of God, it's more of Jesus, we should all desire it and want more of it. So we're going to leave this up. Anyone at any time wants to just come down and get on their face before Jesus and you meet with God, this is the place for you. I want our leaders, some of our leaders to come down to the sides. If you're in the room tonight and you're like, I need it. I need the Holy Spirit. Maybe you got, maybe you're like, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit my whole life. I just need more. I just want more. Or maybe I've never, I've never actually tried, I've never actually taken a step of faith and said, I believe this, and I'm willing for my life to look a little messy. I'm willing for this to, to get a little weird if it's biblical. If it gets me more of Jesus, if it gets me more of Him, I want it. I'm all in. We'd love to have some people pray with you. If you need healing in the room, if you need anything in the room, we'd love for you to come and get what you need. The heart of this whole message is that Jesus loves us so much that he sent us a spirit to remind us, to help us glorify him, to help us fall in more love with him. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, tonight's the night. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to get on your face and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm not the Lord of my own life. It's not working. I need Jesus. I need all the Jesus I can get. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the power of God on my life because I can't do it. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. Leaders, why don't you come down? I'm going to pray. We're going to worship and just meet with Jesus. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're available, that you promise us to be available, that nothing disqualifies us from you. I just speak that over this room. Nothing disqualifies you from the Holy Spirit. If you want more of Jesus, just come. Lay it all out on the foot of the cross. Repent for what you need to repent of and get filled up. We want more of you, Jesus. Not so we can have cool stories. Not so we can have a reputation in the valley. But so that Jesus, you would be glorified in this church, in our house, in, the, in our lives, through our lives. The way we do life would glorify you. We want the power of God to do the purposes of God in our life. We need you. We can't do this without you. Lord, come be honored and be glorified in our midst. We love you, Jesus. Amen.